ഹമ്മദുല്ലാഹിമുഹമ്മദുല്ലാഹിമുഹമ്മദുല്ലാഹിമുഹമ്മദുല്ലാഹിമുഹമ്മദുല്ലാഹിമുഹമ്മദുല
This was the kibr and takabbur, the arrogance, the haughtiness that was in Rustum now. Subhanallah. But one thing we have to remember that this man was not just an ordinary soldier. He was born a soldier. A man, I don't want to say mashallah here Musa, right? I don't want to say mashallah at this. Yeah, so, he's a born soldier. We're not talking about Khalid bin Walid here. So, he was a born soldier, no doubt. A strong man. Someone extremely, someone who was extremely uh, experienced in military warfare. This man was very, very strong, very, very experienced. And that why, that is why Yazdajard had still kept him on in power for the military campaigns. Uh, one of the main qualities of Rustum, it was known that he knew how to uh, set out the troops in the battlefield, arraying the troops. This was uh, the main quality that was inside Rustum. Just like Hazrat Khalid bin Walid radiallahu ta'ala an, he knew exactly which mujahid to be put onto the different locations of the battleground. So Rustum was also one of those great experienced leaders for the Persians. And he came up with something very, very different. The strongest stronghold of uh, the Persians was the middle section. The middle section was again completely secured uh, like a strong wall in front by the, the biggest weapon they had, which was the elephants. So he had huge black elephants right in the middle section of the army. And then you had the right wing and the left wing. Now just for the brothers to picture how the setup must be, if one can just picture the modern day aeroplane today. So the modern day aeroplane, you have a middle section and then you have the wing on the right and on the left. But the right wing and the left wing for Rustum was not like the wings of the plane, but more like a concord. So it was the wing of a concord, it had a more triangular shape to it from the middle. So from the middle section it had a triangular shape on the right hand side and also on the left hand side. And this were, these were the cavalries. And on each side you had again elephants. So in the middle section you had elephants and with one elephant you had 4,000 soldiers. How many soldiers? With one elephant you had 4,000 soldiers excluding the soldiers that had mounted on the elephant. These were the main riders who would control uh, the elephant. So it was a huge army and they were all mentally prepared for attacking the Muslims and taking on the Muslims and also ulama have mentioned that the Persians had this uh, advantage. They had mastered the system of transmitting information very very quickly from the front section to the back section. So back and forth every, every time information had to be passed on they had this very unique method that the Persians had applied. So you would have one soldier in the front row and he's also a soldier but also someone who has mastered and who is experienced in passing on information. And this information is not through complete sentences but in abbreviations, in, in different uh, signs 
uh, in their own language. So you had the first soldier right in the front line and exactly behind him another soldier who's also a messenger. And then the third soldier, fourth soldier. So if there was any information, it was this man who would speak. When he would speak, the second man behind would listen to him. So the second soldier's concentration was with the messenger in front. And the third soldier's concentration was with the one in the front. And all the way back, so this was their system. So the front, if they wanted to know what is happening at the back, information would come very rapidly from the back to the front. And if the back wanted to know what's happening in the front, information would be passed to them. This was quite unique with the Persians. For the Muslims it wasn't that. Subhanallah al-Azim. So the Persians were ever ready to take on the Muslims. Uh, the Muslims were set up in a very different way. Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was the man in charge. With the Muslims right at the back you had this royal palace that once belonged to the Persian king and it was located on a very on a, on a hill right on top mm-hmm. so for the very first time what he decided is that he was going to be the eyes for all of the Muslims he wanted to catch the bird's eye view of exactly what was happening in the battlefield so it was also an advantage for Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala and so you can picture you have the Persian army here the army was so big that the front section was in Qadisiya and the tail of that army the back section was in Madain so the front is in Qadisiya and the back is in another city the capital city in Madain and then you have the line in the middle here and then you had the Muslims the Muslims were divided into different tribes. The setting was done by tribes. Again, this was very important. So that Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala an could monitor every tribe. If one tribe was weak, then Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala an would send a message that this tribe is not doing enough. So there was a competition between the tribes. It was a matter of pride also. So each leaders of the tribes were also ready and they would want to also compete with one another. So it was set in the best way. Right at the back you had the palace on top. And Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was on top. He had the bird's eye view of everything that was happening. If he wanted to send any message what Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an would do. He would write it on slips of paper. And roll it up into globules and give it to Hazrat Khalid bin Afra. Not Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. Hazrat Khalid bin Afra. So from the top, Hazrat Khalid bin Afra would wait for Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an, and he would take the slips of letters and he would read it and then immediately he would dispatch the command of Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an. So you had the Muslims that were divided into tribes. And the biggest weapon for the, for the Persian army was the, the black elephants. With the Muslims what you had was also these great shu'ara, poets. Now, poetry is something very very important in the battlefield. So you would have these great poets that would just break away from the ranks and stand up and they would start chanting out fiery and stirring poetry Subhanallah, 
hoping to tingle the hearts of the troops with enthusiasm to fight. And then you had also the great Qurra, who were Qurra of the Quran, and they would read Suratul Qital. Suratul. Anybody heard of Suratul Qital? Anybody heard of Suratul Qital here? Suratul Qital is Suratul Anfal, or this Surat is also known as Suratul Jihad. So Suratul Jihad is Suratul Anfal. And you had the Qurra that would read Suratul Anfal. And when you read the Quran, Subhanallah, it is said that things would get so hot at the boiling point, you would find that the Mujahideen would come dashing like roaring lions and attacking them. And this was done at the fourth takbir of Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala. And just put a mental picture, my respected brothers. So on one side you would have the Shu'ara, and then you had all the tribes, Banu Asad, Banu Tamim, Banu Zahra, and all of these tribes that were there, and the leaders in front. Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala, and from the top, watching everything. Hazrat Khalid bin Afra there as a messenger, making sure that everyone is doing the right thing. And then you had all of the Qurra reciting the Qur'an, and then with one voice everyone would say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So that would cast fear in the hearts of the enemies. That Allahu Akbar, what are the Muslims up to? If you remember in one of the jihad events you had some of the companions using the miswak. And the kuffar were saying to each other that the Muslims are so angry today that they are prepared to eat us up. <laughs> they are going to eat us up today. Subhanallah and That is why if you look at the dressing also of a mujahid, if you picture some of these, mashallah, um, mujahideen, even the Chechnians, and how they are, and also some of the people in Afghanistan, the Afghans, Subhanallah the amama, the body, and the beard, and the way they dress up, that just when you look at them, uh, a person will think twice, to, to even come close to these individuals. So the Muslims were all mentally prepared, mashallah. The, the uniform was an amama and the swords that were there. Now the battle of Qadisiyah begins. The battle of Qadisiyah starts again by a system of what is known in the Arabic language as Mubaraza. Mubaraza means a dueling contest, challenging one another. So before the battles, uh, and this system was quite common in, in the Roman Empire, in the Persian Empire, and it was something that the Arabs did not know. But when they fought the Romans and the Persians, they understood that this is how they fought. So the Arabs would also be prepared, the Mujahideen, the Muslims. And so before the battle would start, you would find some of the warriors stepping forward. And so everyone would go back. So now it is the time of Mubaraza, Muqabala. And you would have one warrior challenging from the opposite camp that is there anyone here to take me on? Is there anyone here to take me on? So for the Persians, they selected their best archer. He was a Persian archer, well known for his shooting. And he has never ever missed a target. So he came forward, it is said, 
Uh, Ibn Kathir has mentioned that he was wearing a silk tunic with uh, gold bangles, with gold bangles. Someone who was also very, very rich, and he came forward. And he looked at the Muslims and he said, Today here, is there anyone who wishes to challenge me? And Hazrat Saad was at a distance. And he looked, and the one to, to pull out was a man whose name was Hazrat Amr Ma'di Karab. Hazrat Amr Ma'di Karab radiallahu ta'ala an. Hazrat Ma'di Karab radiallahu ta'ala an came forward. The minute he broke off from the ranks, from the rows, this man took an aim at Hazrat Ma'di Karab radiallahu ta'ala an. And he was an expert in shooting arrows. So he took an aim. It is said that by millimeters, Hazrat Ma'di Karab radiallahu ta'ala an just moved away at the right time and it missed him. MashaAllah. It, when it missed him, Hazrat Ma'di Karab radiallahu ta'ala an dived on that Persian soldier, pushing him from the horse that he was sitting on and he fell to the ground. When he fell to the ground, Hazrat Ma'di Karab got on top of him, took out the knife and immediately slit his throat. And this was done within a few minutes. The Persians were shocked. They were shocked that, who are these people? So now you have the best archer, Persian archer, who is killed on the floor, blood is coming out. Now, this would have... Uh, an effect on the entire army. Imagine if you had a group of warriors uh, and all of them were defeated, that would mentally cripple the entire army and they would be weakened mentally. So this system again was a big gamble that the Persians had taken. They were the one who challenged the Muslim. When Hazrat Mahdi Karab radiallahu ta'ala and slit the throat, he showed the knife to the Mujahideen, to the Muslims, and he stood up and he said, this is how you get rid of your enemy. Are you listening to me? This is how you get rid of your enemy in Arabic. And some of the people in the front row started to say, Ma'di Karab, Ma'di Karab, Ma'di Karab. Who, not everyone is like Ma'di Karab. Not everyone is like Ma'di Karab. Saying that this is a gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. So that Ma'di Karab radiallahu ta'ala said, this is how you do it. So you now, you have one of the top generals also out. And then they did not advance forward. They did not challenge any more Muslims. They knew this was the first day. And if the top generals were taken out, it would have an effect on the entire army. Now what they do, Rustum gives an order. And they start off with the biggest weapon they have, which is the... Elephants. Subhanallah al-Azim, they attack the Bahila or the Bajila. Bahila or the Bajila squadron, which was the most distinguished cavalry of the Muslim army. The Bajila squadron. And they come with 14 elephants. Now with 14 elephants, with one elephant, how many soldiers are there? 4,000 elephants. So 14 elephants come charging at the Bajila squadron of the Muslim army. They start to attack. Brothers, just imagine 
if this huge elephant was in front of you and it comes charging at you just picture that zara soche ke insaan kya kar sakta hai this is in the battlefield subhanallah the muslims put up a firm resistance in fact an unflinching front but again the elephants would just force their way ahead and slowly there was a split in the muslim cavalry it was breaking the unity when hazrat sa'd radiyallahu ta'ala an saw this he quickly said to hazrat khalid bin afra that go and tell the tribe of banu as'ad to go and rescue the bahila or the bajila squadron you can either pronounce it bahila or bajila the bahila it's a tribe the bahila squadron banu as'ad were again very famous warriors the name asad in the arabic language means lions asad ka mana lions and who was the leader of banu asad <coughs> hazrat tulaiha radiyallahu ta'ala an subhanallahi ladhim who was tulaiha if brothers were here when we were talking about the khilafat of sayyidina abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala an you might remember that hazrat tulaih is that man who claimed to be a prophet who claimed to be a a prophet and this was by the because of the nationalistic pride that each members of the tribe had he was a great leader so after rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam he claimed nabuwwat that he is also a prophet like prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam but subhanallah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives hidayah to whom he wills what uh, what is there of a greater sin than that person who claims to be a prophet and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives tulaiha this man repented at the hands of hazrat abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala and if you remember in the last session i said that hazrat abu bakr siddiq did not allow any of these people to fight in jihad but hazrat umar radiyallahu ta'ala an was so desperate for men and soldiers that he even allowed those who had apostated before so you had hazrat tulaih radiyallahu ta'ala an who was not just a murtad before but a man who claimed to be a prophet but subhanallah this was an opportunity that was given to him so he said to his people of banu asad and he said that today saad is calling you you are the lions let's go and rescue the tribe of bajila it is said that they took their spears and they went in front of the elephants such a fierce attack that uh, for a few hours the elephants did not move an inch they were just in that position and the way they attacked the elephants it is said that when rustum saw that banu asad have attacked uh, the elephants he sent for some more reinforcements and some more elephants came with soldiers to attack the banu asad now banu asad were only a few hundred not in there thousands so now you had all attention diverted from the bahila tribe to the tribe of banu asad so you had elephants charging at banu asad from all the different sides allahu akbar when hazrat saad radiyallahu ta'ala an saw this again now he called upon the tribe of banu tamim the tribe of banu 
Tamim. Brothers, do you follow me? Inshallah. Slowly, slowly, step by step. There are many days that we have to cover. This battle was not for one day. This battle was not for one day. So you have now the Banu Tamim that come along to fight. Banu Tamim were expert archers, expert shooters. These were the best shooters that the Muslims had. When they noticed that the, the elephants are coming to attack Banu Asad and also the, the Bajila tribe has been attacked, it is said that they took out their arrows and started shooting. They rained a, a blinding shower of arrows at all of the elephants and the target was the riders who were sitting on top of the elephants. So once the riders were falling off, it was difficult to control the elephants. So the elephant could not differentiate between an Arab and the Persian because the entire control was in the hands of that, that person who was taking control of the elephant. So they started shooting at the, the main driver, the riders. And slowly, Allahu Akbar, advantage came with the Muslims. And this fighting continued throughout the day until it was Maghrib time. And when it was dark, subhanallah, this is something very, very common with all of the Mujahideen. They were fighting at one time, but on the other side you would find Adhan. The Mu'azzin would chant out the words of Adhan and you would even find a group of people performing Salah. And so when they would have finished, completed the Salah, that first batch of people would go and join in again with Jihad. And then the second group would come and perform their Salah. Subhanallah. Even in Jihad, uh, where life uh, is at stake. But Subhanallah, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find that on time the Mujahideen would perform their Salah. And no Qaza. So it was time for Maghrib, Adhan is being done. When the Persians heard the Adhan of the Muslims at sunset, they said that this is enough for one, one day. And this battle is known as Yawmul Armah. The first day battle is known as Yawmul Armah. They stopped. It is said that the first day was won by the Muslims because it was the Persians that had retreated. It was the Persians that had moved back, not the Muslims. So these are good signs for the Muslims. The Persians were approximately in number more than 120,000. Persians were in number. Just in, in the front section, in Qadisiyah, more than 120,000. As for the Muslims, 35,000 or 40,000. 35,000 or 40,000. In the night, Hazrat Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala an came down. Now, Hazrat Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala an was also a man who was prepared to fight. Uh, Allahu Akbar, he was a great mujahid, as you know. But it is very, very important for the man in charge also to take control. He must know what is happening. He is the brains of the battlefield. So he could see everything. Hazrat Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala an came down. In the, from the palace and during the night he saw all of the shuhada. On the first day many of the mujahideen were made shaheed and many had received injuries also. So you had 
the atibba, you had tents that were pitched up like hospitals, and you had the women folks who would uh, uh, nurse uh, the, the mujahideen that were injured. And in those days it was very, very difficult. You did not have anesthetic. Uh, the, the soldiers would say that the treatment was more painful than receiving the injuries. The treatment was more painful. In those days what would happen is that a wound was treated by hot boiling oil. Hot boiling oil. Imagine you had a, a wound just here. So literally that part of the body would have to be dabbed into hot boiling oil so that uh, infection would not spread. Because you have hot boiling oil, infection would not spread and also the healing process would be very, very quick. And that would even stop the blood oozing out immediately. It would stop the blood. So this is how it was done. So the Mujahideen would say that only the brave would want to opt for, for this. This was something very, very difficult. Imagine putting your hands in fire. So there were ladies who were specially trained for this. So even in the hospitals, you had the atibba, it was never, never easy. Alhamdulillah, nowadays, uh, the ummah is also very, very weak. And we are also very, very fortunate. An operation will take place and you are sleeping. And then after a few hours, you wake up and everything is done. But imagine in those days. Allahu Akbar. You have to be physically very, very strong to take the pain. And I was reading... Uh, one story that one of the a Muslimah uh, she was also fighting and she had received injury and she says that Alhamdulillah I would take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and put any part of my hand into that boiling uh, oil uh, to heal the wounds and nothing would happen to me nothing would happen to me the women were also exceptionally very very strong at that time mm -hmm. so this was the method of treatment used uh, in the time of the companions also mm -hmm. so in the night the shuhada were counted and immediately they were buried and you had the injured that were carried to the hospitals there at the backside uh, of the army Muslim army and then now straight after Fajr when uh, at the time of Ishraq, you would even find some of the Mujahideen that they would perform Ishraq. This was uh, the character of the Tabi'een and the Tabi Tabi'een. Even in this, in this Kitab of Ibn Kathir, a great scholar, he writes that these were incredible individuals who can be like the companions and the Tabi'een. They are in the middle of a fight. During the daytime, they are engaged in jihad. And in the night they would read tahajjud. In the night they would read tahajjud. Allahu Akbar. Today it is difficult for, uh, for many people just to wake up for fajr. Even when it is at 7.20. It's difficult for many to come and to read fajr with the jamaat. These were people who would do jihad during the daytime and read tahajjud in the night. Subhanallah. That is why... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the certificate of Jannah in this dunya.
Allah says, وَرِضْوَانُ مِنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them. Now as the second day starts, my respected brothers, before the fight starts, subhanallah, a cloud of dust is visible in the horizon. A cloud of dust. What happens is that these are reinforcements for the Muslims that are coming from Syria. It was the best sight for Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an to see. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an wrote a letter to Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah who was in Syria taking on the Romans that I want you to send your best soldiers to Sa'ad to Persia immediately. Now if you recall Hazrat Khalid bin Walid radiallahu ta'ala an had crossed that desert from Iraq into Syria. The soldiers that had crossed the desert with Hazrat Khalid bin Walid made up the greater portion of this jamaat, of this group that came to Persia. Hazrat Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah, however, did not want to send Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. So Hazrat Khalid bin Walid was not in Persia. He was with the Romans in Syria, that part of the zone. But instead, Subhanallah, we've heard of Hazrat Zirar, we've heard of Hazrat Musanna, we've heard of Hazrat Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid radiallahu ta'ala an. You find this new individual in the scene, a great mujahid whose name is Ka'qa. What is, what is his name? He's not a football player, you know. Hazrat Ka'qa radiallahu ta'ala an. Hazrat Ka'ad, a great Sahabi of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hazrat Ka'aqa radiallahu ta'ala an comes along now to take on the Persians. Hazrat Sa'ad is there. Hazrat Abu Bakr would say about Ka'aqa that the voice of Ka'aqa is enough for 1,000 soldiers. Hazrat Abu Bakr would say that the voice of Ka'aqa is enough for 1,000 soldiers. What, what it means is that if Hazrat Ka'aqa radiallahu ta'ala an was to scream or to shout, a thousand soldiers would get scared immediately as to what, what is happening, where is the noise coming from. Allah had blessed Ka'aqa with such a voice. Hazrat Musa bhai is not very far. Mushtaq, have you, have you, have you, have you ever stood in front of, uh, uh, Musa bhai, and when you're sitting on the pulpit and when he says Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar uh, Musa bhai, Allah has blessed you with that voice too MashaAllah So Hazrat Ka'aqa radiallahu ta'ala and comes to the scene and you'd expect Hazrat Ka'aqa to be tired imagine crossing Syria Iraq and then into Persia and traveling throughout the night Hazrat Ka'aqa radiallahu ta'ala and comes early in the morning and subhanallah, look at the intelligence, the move that he does. Altogether, 6,000 soldiers come with him. Kitne? 6,000. What he did, before coming to the battlefield, he divided all of the 6,000. And he said, I want you to come as reinforcements at, uh, at an interval period. So the first batch would enter with me. And then the second batch after half an hour, the third batch after another hour, the fourth batch after another hour, so that the enemies would get scared. Mentally the enemies would feel 
that there is no stop to reinforcements and that would also strengthen the Muslims. The Muslims would feel very, very confident that mashallah there is a flow of mujahideen continuously coming to help us. So that is the difference. When you have all of your men coming into the battleground one shot and then coming into the picture slowly, slowly. Remember Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam said that to his children. All of them were extremely handsome. Sorry, Yaqub alayhi salam said that to, to the children, to his children, Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam, Binyamin and the other brothers who were very, very beautiful. And Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam said to them that when you enter into Egypt, make sure I don't want all of the brothers to enter from one gate together, but rather you enter from different, different gates of Egypt. So this was again great wisdom from Hazrat Ka'aqa radiallahu ta'ala an. Hazrat Ka'aqa radiallahu ta'ala an comes and he does not even meet Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an. He knew exactly where Hazrat Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was. Now he comes and he breaks through the different tribes that were there on a horse and he goes right at the front. Right at the front. And now there is no dueling contest on the second day. This is done usually on the first day. There is no mubaraza. In Arabic it's known as mubaraza. Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala an, again, the genius that he was, he went right in the front. And remember on the second day the fight has not started. It is about to start. So Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala an goes to the, to the Persian camp and he stands there. And he says that Kaka is prepared to challenge any one of you. Does anyone accept my challenge? Now for the Persians, if the Muslims were to challenge them and if they don't stand up, this is, this is uh, uh, something that will sort of uh, put them down. It is something shameful for them. And so Hazrat Kaka radiallahu ta'ala and stood up and forcefully what he said, I want that general and this general and that general and he selected five of their top generals. Selected five of their top generals. And all of these five had to, st- had to stand up with force. Everybody is looking at uh, uh, the Persians, the Muslims were there. And the first man to stand up was Bahman. Bahman was a Persian general and Bahman was someone who was an expert in sword fighting. So Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala and said to him that I want to fight you, Bahman, come forward. And he said to Bahman, how is it that you want to fight? And he took the sword out. He was an expert in sword fighting. So Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala got off his horse and he took his sword out and for a good half an hour or one hour for a long period of time Hazrat Ka'aka starts to fight with Bahman after many cuts and thrusts Subhanallah it is said that Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala an also killed Bahman when Bahman was killed the first man top general out of the picture and then he said now I want you and all of them will start all of them started shouting out the name of the second general whose name was Bazurj. What was his name? Bazurj, not Buzrug. He's not a Buzrug. 
what is his name? Bazurj, Persian man. And all of them started saying, Bazurj, 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 you have to take him on. And as Bazurj stood up, they said to him, Bazurj, this Kaka, we have information, he is the personal slayer of Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah. He is the personal slayer of Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah. Hazrat Abu Ubaidat ibn al-Jarrah. So we want you to get rid of Ka'aka. It so happens that Bazurj was just standing up and Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala an took a swing at him and immediately the body falls on one side and the head falls on the other side. So this was again uh, something very very difficult for the Persians to take. And then as it goes that the, fir- the third general, the fourth general, the fifth general, every single one of them was taken out by Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala. Now, one can imagine that this would have totally, totally weakened the entire Persian army. Uh, they were just swept away. These were the top generals. In a matter of one hour, all of the five generals have been killed. Allahu Akbar. Now Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala an moves back and then the battle begins. Now, you remember which is the biggest weapon that uh, the, the Persians had? The elephant. Hazrat Ka'aka radiallahu ta'ala an was a very intelligent man. As he was crossing from Syria uh, to, to Persia, what he did is that he wanted to give the, the Persian a taste of Arab strength Arab strength and what he did is that he had collected uh, a few hundred camels a few hundred camels now camels are also very very big big animals and they huge animals and they have a very long neck and also a hump although they are not known for fighting like horses and, and elephants. But for the Persians, fighting with the camels was something different. Now the Persians had not seen the camels, and the Arabs had not seen the, the elephants. So he came with a stock of elephants, a few hundred, and not, sorry, sorry uh, camels, a few hundred camels. And what had happened is that he had painted the skin of the camel and it had this demonizing look to it and they were he had enveloped all of the camels into garments all different clothes it was like monsters or aliens that came from a different planet now you can imagine camels huh, as if they were about to eat someone and then you had long long ribbons long long ribbons from the top falling down with chains and then you also had swords attached to it and so the Persians were just shocked what kind of animals who, who are these people who are who are these people to fight and subhanallah look how intelligent the companions were and so you had 14 elephants in the middle fighting the Bahila tribe and now slowly you had the, the camels that were rushing in and Lama ibn Kasir has mentioned that if anyone was to see the camels, it would cast fear in their hearts. So when the elephants 
looked at the camels, they were pushing back, they were going back. It was difficult, they did not know what this thing is in front of them. And so, Hazrat Ka'aka from one side was pushing with his group, the camels to go forward. Now the Arabs would love the camels, they knew exactly how to look after the camels, how to treat the camels, and subhanallah, now it was more of a fair fight. So you had the cavalry for cavalry, you had the foot soldiers for the foot soldiers, you had all of the mujahideen fighting, and now you had the camels in the picture with the elephants. Inshallah ta'ala, my respected brothers, we stop at that. This is the second day, perhaps it's too much to take in and to absorb, and I don't want to forget many, many things. There are so many things mentioned by Allama ibn Kaseer rahmatullah alayhi inshallah, as we take it step by step, the, the third day and the fourth day. This battle of Qadisiyah takes five days. How many days? According to some of the Mu'arrikheen, five days. And according to some of the Mu'arrikheen, four days. And mashallah, again, another strategy that is taken by the Muslims to take out the elephants and how they get rid of the elephants inshallah to be continued after Hajj if Allah wills wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen duakal Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabiyil ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna inna kanta tawabur rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk ya Allah ya rahman ya rahim Ya Allah, hamari is majlis ko kabul farma. Allah, hamari is majlis ko kabul farma. Allah, ye sunna, sunana. Allah, tere darbar mein makbul ho. Allah, tu humse razi ho ja. Allah, tu humse razi ho ja. Allah, jitne mujahideen the aur jinone jang mein shirkat ki. Allah, har ek ko buland maqam nasib farma. Jo dunya se rukhsat ho gaye hai. Allah, unko shahid ka darja de. Allah, unko jannat mein buland maqam de. Ya Allah, ya Rahman, ya Rahim. Ya Allah, sahabai kiram ajma'in ka ek khun ka katra hume bhi de de. Allah, hume bhi muttaqeen bana de. Allah, hum bhi muttaqeen ban jaye. Hamari aulad bhi nek ho. Allah, hamara khatima bil khair ho. Allah, hamara khatima bil khair ho. Ya Allah, is majlis mein jo log baithe hai. Ya Allah, har ek ko kabool farma. Allah, hamari maghfirat farma. Allah, hamari maghfirat farma. Allah, tu hum se razi ho ja. Allah, tu hum se razi ho ja. Allah, jis ko jo parishani ho. اس پریشانی کو دور فرما اللہ جس کو جو پریشانی ہو اس پریشانی کو دور فرما جو بیمار ہیں ان کو شفا دے اللہ ہمیں تندرستی دے اللہ ہمیں تندرستی دے اللہ ہمیں جان و مال میں برکت دے اللہ ہمیں برکت دے اللہ ہمیں جسم میں برکت دے اللہ ہماری آنکھوں میں نور بھر دے اللہ جسم میں نور بھر دے اللہ آپ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم نے جو دعا مانگی وہ دعا ہم مانگتے ہیں اور جن چیزوں سے اللہ کے رسول نے پناہ مانگی ان چیزوں سے ہم بھی پناہ مانگتے ہیں وصل اللہ تعالی علی خیر خلقی محمد وعلی آلہ وصحابہ وزواجہ وذریاتہ واہل بیتہ اجمعین برحمتک یا ارحم الراحمین